Hey, welcome to episode 88 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles, and we're back already. And this episode, I have to continue on topics that have now been finalized. Finally, the trade of Sean Monaghan to the Peg Jets, which, yes, the amazing general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Kent Hughes, has scored yet another first-round draft pick as compensation for taking on initially a contract two years ago. I mean, if that's not maximizing trade value, I have no idea what somebody's definition is. That is just unbelievable. Anyways, so he's now been traded, and of course there was those people along the way that said, oh my God, we can't trade Sean Monaghan, the team needs him, veteran presence and everything else. Well, you're a rebuilding organization. You need assets. You have prospects that need roster spots. He was there for the time that he needed to be. That's not to say his skills or value to the team are now minimized or no longer needed, but they now have the opportunity to continue to evaluate more players because they have open roster spots. That's the game here. That's how it works. You have to continue to send your prospects through the organization, see what you have, see what they're going to be able to do for you, see what team needs they're going to be able to address and fit. And that's where we're at. Unfortunately, in this trade, is now people are like, oh, Montreal with this extra first round draft pick are now, you know, in perfect condition to have this pick, their first round pick, and several prospects given to another organization for a top flight NHL player. I gotta be honest with you folks, I mean, even if that player was Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers or Leon Dreisaitl or Mitch Marner, I'm just throwing out the bigger names in the league for, for no other purpose than that. But even if it was for one of those players, does anybody really believe if Montreal somehow could acquire, let's just say McDavid, let's just go the top of the line, the world-class best, all-out, number one recognized player in the world, okay? Let's just say Montreal was able to acquire Connor McDavid and didn't have to give up any existing roster player. So what they would end up giving up for him would be all prospects and a ton of draft picks undoubtedly at least three, maybe as many as five first-round picks. Does anybody really believe that Montreal is just Connor McDavid away from winning the Stanley Cup? And to give that a different substance, if you will, or background, Connor McDavid is currently at Edmonton, right? Currently has Leon Dreisaitl, currently has Darnell Nurse, currently has Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Many other good, solid players that have been around for a long time. And I ask this question. Have the Edmonton Oilers won a Stanley Cup with Connor McDavid yet? No, they have not. So what is with the obsession that Montreal now has to acquire some star power, some superstar player? It's not enough. Not even McDavid would be enough to have Montreal fans be able to say, oh, you know what? We don't even have to bother. We're just going to win. Just give it to us now. Give it to us now because nobody else is going to have a chance. Edmonton gets shut down every year for the same reason. Now, I hope for Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl and company that this year is different. I hope the Edmonton Oilers actually win it all or the Winnipeg Jets, or the Vancouver Canucks. I would just love to see the Stanley Cup return to Canada for the first time in nearly 
35 years, which is insane to think about, that the Stanley Cup has not been won in Canada between 30 and 35 years. That is just nuts, and it's got to be completely unforeseen. If any, anybody would have said, oh yeah, it's going to be at least three decades, maybe four before Canada or a team in Canada wins the cup again, people were going to go, really? Come on. That's not even possible. The odds are so stacked against that. Well, guess what? It's happened. But what is with the obsession? I don't get it. Montreal has to acquire the big name. I can only think that this is a problem that is just another magnification of the instant gratification society. I want my way. I want to win now. This is what I think should happen. Well, unfortunately, I, me, or you are not that important. That is systemic in society. People really believe they're that important. They're not. But apparently, there's a lot of people that believe that Montreal is now positioning itself with this acquired additional first-round pick in the 2024 draft. And now Montreal, I believe, has 23 or 24 picks in the next two drafts. Yeah, is Montreal likely to trade some of those picks? Yeah, they are. I can't believe for a moment that anybody in the NHL who had a Connor McDavid, a Leon Dreisaitl, a Sidney Crosby... Any of those kind of players are going to go, oh yeah, we'll trade them to you, sure. Now, you could argue that Pittsburgh might, just because it doesn't look like there's going to be that one last shot that the new ownership was so much hoping for, that the Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkins, and all those players that have been around for a while, oh, let's build a team and give them one last shot. I think Dubas is in for a rebuild sooner than he thought he was. But that being said, even though Crosby is likely to have a 50-goal season this year, as many people, it's like, oh, man, could you imagine seeing 87 in a Canadian's uniform? Two things. One, he's not going to push the team over the edge. He's just not. Montreal needs a lot more than Sidney Crosby. And that's not diminishing Sidney Crosby. A hell of a player. I mean, superstar of the league. Cannot question that. He is one of the best, not only of the current NHL, but of all time. He is an amazing player. So let's not minimize any of his amazing amazing abilities. I'm not doing that. But number 87 by itself isn't enough. If you brought number 87 from Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby, and Alexander Ovechkin from Washington, it would still not be enough. Unfortunately, as great as superstars and legends as they will be in the game when they retire, they're on the back 40, if you will, the back nine, the downside of their career, whatever you want to call it. They're not the players that if you would have brought them in at 26 years of age, okay. Now, hey, we might have something to talk about. Imagine Alexander Ovechkin is the setup right wing at 26 years old with Nick Suzuki at center and Cole Caulfield on the left. Imagine Sidney Crosby with Yurai Slavkovsky. Not saying he'd be exactly a Yarmer Yager, but he might be something close with Sidney. And Alex Newhook on the right. Or Kirby Doc on the right. Okay, now you got something to talk about. But in addition to all of that, and one thing that I've been majorly impressed by the last two seasons is the amount of rookie defensemen that Montreal has been able to bring up who have played a solid game beyond their years. 
the five rookie defensemen last year definitely played beyond their experience level or what people or who people would think would have. Okay, and that's been great. That being said, there's been a little bit of a sophomore setback this year. Unfortunately, Jack Eye was sent down for way too long of a period. No idea why. Caden Gooley has had holes in his game. Jordan Harris has looked good. Other Knights has looked able to be gotten through. There's been holes in his game. Jaden Struble has been a wonderful addition to the defense. But some nights, he's also looked average as time has gone on that he's been in the NHL. Justin Barron remains an enigma to me. Justin Barron has some nights, you're like, wow, this guy's awesome. Where's this guy been? And other nights, you don't even notice him. Other nights, you don't, you're not even aware he's on the ice or you're aware he's on the ice, but for the wrong reason. That's been the most common scenario with him. And I'm not taking pot shots at Justin Barron. Do I think he's a fine young talent? Absolutely he is. I seriously question to date whether he actually has a career in Montreal because of everything else coming on the right side and the flexibility of many left defensemen being able to play right defense. I don't know if they're going to have room for him. I really don't. I mean, you got to figure at best, Baran is number three long-term behind David Reinbacher and Logan Mylou. So at best, he's number three. But Arbor Jacki can play right. Jaden Struble can play right. Jordan Harris can play right. That's a lot of defensemen. Adam Ingstrom can play right. And on top of that, you've already got Caden Gooley, many of those same players, and let's not forget on the left side talent, Lane Hudson coming, which by the way, I've even read that. Some people are so obsessed with Montreal making this big, unbelievable trade. Some of these have actually included Lane Hudson in their trade option, as well as many other top prospects. I don't get this concept more than anything else. Why would an organization who has worked so hard the last several years to gain prospects have had the luck, some would say bad luck, but because they're playing that bad, but thereby has the luck in the end of having a top draft pick, acquired talent that has been more exciting and is exciting people more than it has in decades, why people want to mortgage all that away. Why people want to do the short-term, no long-term fix and remain a mediocrity team that is going to be sub-level basement quality for an eternity, basically. Oh, but I'm impatient. See, you don't matter. That's the thing that people got to get through their heads. You got to do what's right for the organization so it's successful long-term, which will bring that preference of year in and year out being a contender. But contrary to people who think they're owed something or think that something should be done quicker, look, let's lay this out really simple. You want to watch a hockey game. You bought a ticket. You paid for the ticket. You're at the game. The players on the roster know they're playing. They're at the game. They play the designated time of the game. Hockey, that's 60 minutes, three 20-minute period, unless there's overtime. They play the game. You watch them play. The game ends in a win-loss tie, whatever it is. Fans leave the building. Players go into the locker room, change, and go home. That's the extent of what's owed somebody. You bought a ticket, a roster of players was put on the ice in this case, and they played a game. There is nothing more to it than that. I know a lot of people, it's like, well, they owe me more. They don't owe you anything. That has really got to be drilled into people's heads. This, as far as you owe me more, nah, sorry, I don't. No, team doesn't owe you a damn thing beyond putting a product on the ice for a ticket you paid for, You've been entertained for that period of time. Now, whether you like the outcome, irrelevant. 
That's the game. That's it. Now, obviously the goal of the organization is to continue to enhance and better its product, if not every game, certainly season by season, but that's not owed to anybody. That's the responsibility of the management, who when management doesn't do things like that, management teams get let go. But that's about as far as that goes. That doesn't go any further than that. But there seems to be a really unrealistic view about things like that. Now, I'm going to mention a whole bunch of roster players here and a whole bunch of prospects that if the fan, quote-unquote, or if the non-organizational person wanted to focus in on and sit there and go, oh my god, I want to know what's going to be done with this, this would at least have a relevancy, okay? Everybody should be wondering, is Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, Jake Evans, Tanner Pearson, Joel Armia, Jesse Ulanen, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, David Savard, Mike Matheson, or Jake Allen going to be traded from the roster? And if they are, which ones? What could Montreal obtain for them? And here's where you can dream and go, oh man, imagine if you could trade Josh Anderson for another, you know, top first round draft pick. Okay, I'm in. I'm good with that. I'm with you. Yep, absolutely. Because all those roster players that I mentioned are going to need to be moved on from in the next couple of years, maybe with the sole exception of Raphael Harvey-Pernard. And I'm not saying that he necessarily is better, but he fits in and has more versatility, is younger, and has less wear and tear on him than a lot of those other players. And he's speedy and shifty, and that's a lot of the types of players that Montreal is looking for. But he's also got that concern of how many under five foot ten players can you have on a team? I mean, small players, I have nothing wrong with. Some of the smallest players have been some of the most skilled players in the league. Theo Fleury comes to mind at five foot six in the past, as well as many others. But I'm just mentioning him because he's more of a well-known name, smaller player. So they can play, but if you got too many of them, they're gonna be bounced around on the ice surface like pinball. So you gotta have a mix. So that's gonna be his likely strength or weakness is can he survive on a team that already has several smaller players? Not saying he can't, but it's also going to be challenging as well. And then if you want, for all these people that want to trade prospects, how about we look at people like Rhett Pitlick, Matthias Norlander, Jacob Olofsson, Alexander Gordon, Blake Biondi, Jack Smith, Jan Mysak, Touch, Danielle Sobolev, Dmitry Kostenko, Oliver Kapanen, Miguel Torgany. Paturi Nerman, Cedric Guadine, Vincent Rohr, Luke Middlestead, Philip Erickson, Sam Harris, and just to wrap that list up, Quentin Miller. And the reason I'm picking on those prospects is those prospects are likely not going to shine as many or as much as the other one. Because Montreal has so many prospects right now doing so well, they're just further down the list. And the same thing like we've had about the defensive conversation, there's just not going to be room for them all. So you might be able to get higher round draft picks. For example, a lot of those guys are mid-round picks. You might be able to get a third round pick or higher for them. You're not going to get a first round pick for any of those players, but you might be able to draft to a team with needs. If in the case of, let's say, Matthias Norlander, who was a third round pick in his draft, maybe you can get a second round pick for him. And again, it continues the flow of assets, which is something that seems to be undervalued by a lot of people that they don't get. Everybody's like, oh, come on, more draft picks? You know what draft picks are? Options. They're choices. You can find talent in any round that if you didn't have the asset, 
you wouldn't have had the chance to pick. So for all these people that keep saying things like, oh, that's just way too many draft picks. Montreal doesn't need any of those. Well, let's say in a draft coming up, 24 or 25, Montreal is like, ah, we just got no more room. There's really nothing else out there that excites us. Other teams are going to call. There's always other teams that have their eyes on gems, either other teams miss or don't agree with that they're going to be that great, that they want to pick up. So they're always going to have that option. And to be able to move those to future drafts, maybe for the same round pick or because they were conveniently available when the team wanted that player or prospect that they saw available in the draft. Maybe they obtain a fourth round pick from Montreal in 2024 and trade it for a third round pick in a future entry draft. That way Montreal gets a higher round pick, but the team addresses its need or the player interest that it had at the time that acquired the pick. So there's lots of ways that that can work. Draft picks are highly valuable capital, period. And I'm also really not understanding the constant and continuation of pot shots being taken at Kent Hughes or other members of the Montreal management. Look at every move these guys have made, right up to the current Sean Monahan trade, acquiring yet another first-round pick and more, because if Winnipeg happens to win the Cup, they will get a third-round pick in the 2027 draft as well. So I don't understand... Well, do you think he could have gotten more? Did he really need to trade him? Oh, he should have signed him. Stop second-guessing excellence. Okay? they. When I say they, Jeff Gordon, Ken Hughes, and the rest of the Montreal management team certainly didn't need to prove themselves to anybody outside the organization, but they have. And they've done it first class. I don't know if this is a jealousy of, oh my God, these guys just continue to do the greatest things and keep putting Montreal in a great position for the future and keep acquiring top draft choices that general managers since Sam Pollock haven't been able to do, then give them credit. Stop the jealousy. Stop questioning excellence that either you or somebody else that you know is questioning them clearly doesn't have, or else you'd be the GM. But Ken Hughes is the general manager. Jeff Gordon is the VP of Hockey Operations, and they are, in my opinion, the best management team or of the best management teams in the league above and beyond, and by far. So if it's jealousy, the, the only answer I got there to whoever that might be a problem for is grow up. And I'm going to end with a perfect example of this second guessing. Oh, now that Sean Monahan's gone, we have to have Alex Newhook at center. No, you don't. You don't want Alex Newhook at center. Alex Newhook is not an NHL center. Colorado knew that. That's why they traded him. But that being said, Colorado missed out on his real advantages and assets, and that is his speed, his very smooth transition game, very quick acceleration, and he is an excellent NHL right wing. And that's not good or bad. That's what is. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of players that come out of juniors and it's like, I'm a center, I'm a center, I'm a center. And you might have been in the NCAA. You might have been in the OHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Western Hockey League. You might have been a center. The NHL? Hmm. It's a different game, okay? Center responsibility at the NHL level is very, very different. You're not only a focal point, you're not only an offensive piece or a defensive shutdown person, you're a game controller. Everything on the offensive side and argumentatively even first passes coming out of the defensive zone normally go through a center. Your responsibilities are immense 
Some players can make the transition, some can't. And it's not a failure if they can't. If they're that skilled of a player like Alex Newhook is, they will have a spot on their roster. And he has found that spot as the right winger on Kirby Doc's line along with Yuri Slavkovsky. Now, the only problem that creates is Slavkovsky, due to Doc's injuries, has gone on to be an excellent addition to the Nick Suzuki line. But that being said, I believe Joshua Roy is the answer to the right wing on Nick Suzuki's line and Yarav Slavkowski, who looked absolutely amazing. As good as he's looked in the last 10 to 20 games on Suzuki's line, he was even better than that in preseason and when the season started on Doc's line. Doc is the center for Yuri Slavkowski. I truly believe that. And Alex Newhook is the right winger for Kirby Doc. Because Kirby Doc is the perfect kid that came out of junior as a center that can be a center in the NHL that is the distribution guy, can control the flow of the game, sees his opponent and his teammates very, very well, has great ice vision, great as they love to say, is a complete player, is high hockey IQ. Doc is a center. Newhook is not. Newhook is Doc's right wing. So no, the Canadians do not need to experiment and have another Alex Galchenyuk scenario have another Yaspiri Kakanyemi scenario and countless other ones that they've had at center going, oh, you know what, we're going to try this. No, no, no. Let's not try. You've got many, many other prospects. You've got Lucas Condata, who's already come up. You've got a fill-in right now with Jake Evans, unless he gets traded. You've got Owen Beck. You've got lots of other options at center in the AHL in Laval and in the juniors. And by the way, it's February, so as the season starts to wind down, Laval is looking like it's going to have a good playoff potential. Some of the junior teams may not. So let's say whoever a prospect is playing for either does not make or is ousted from the playoffs early at the junior level. Bring him up for the rest of the year. See what he's got. Again, you're not a Connor McDavid away from becoming a contender on the ice. You need several things. Several key positions need to be filled. Connor McDavid by himself isn't enough. So, since you have time, and of course, not that you want to tank. I'm certainly for everyone's like, oh, he's saying tank, tank. He's, he's promoting tanking. No, I'm not. But you've got the opportunity right now to, if you're not as good as people want you to be because you're in a rebuild, you can again do things that, hey, if you end up with a worse draft pick, meaning that you end up instead of a number 10 pick, you end up with the number 8, the number 5, whatever it is, you end up with a better pick. And again, which hopefully gives you a greater chance of getting immediate talent for the team. On that note, thanks for tuning in to episode 88 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Stephen Stiles. It's been great being with you again. Have a fantastic upcoming week.